and welcome to the Trash Tapes podcast as part of the Enigmatic Productions Network. If you love bad cinema and incredible deep dives into cult film, then you have come to the right place. So if you like what you hear and want to support us, you can do so by donating some funds to our Buy Me A Coffee website, along with the ACAR supporter feature. All of these can be found in the description below. And now, on with the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So much crap under the bloody sofa. I'm trying to put this the legs from this laptop closer yeah. So they go under. But there's like weights is, under there and stuff. Why do you have weights under? There's something always. Where else fucking put them? I'm assuming it's for like the jib and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, uh, uh, no offense, buddy, but I don't look at you going, "Damn, you're swole." <laughs> so buff, <laughs> so buff. I am such a beefcake. Beefcake, beefcake. <laughs> are about to experience trash cinema. everyone and welcome to another episode of the trash tapes when one man's trash is another man's treasure and oh boy it's 2020 ladies and gentlemen and 2020 2020 and myself johan who is the inflictor of pain and my victim over here edward harvey are pretty much in a new zone getting ready to go with this sort of semi-soft reboot of the, of the podcast i can't wait i'm excited i'm very excited indeed okay hello everyone indeed we're all very we're so excited we didn't properly say our hellos that's how this is how we're running people now this episode is a little it's a bit it's a bit more interesting than how we do because like i said we're doing a little bit of a soft reboot with this one we're we're changing the format we're changing how things are going how things are flowing and also to start things things off we're we're going for a biggie kind of a big one and it's because obviously we've got the new uh Star Wars, the last, uh, the you know, the Rise of Skywalker, whatever it's called. Yeah, the, yeah, the Rise of Skywalker. Have you seen that yet? Have you seen that one? I have seen it. What do you think? Right, um, it's it's a bit of a mess. It's like it's not too bad, but it's the thing is. It, the edit is such a weird thing. It, like, it's like flashes through, like, that's a scene, that's a scene, that's a scene. It's like a mishmash of lots of bits. It's a bit of a Frankenstein of a movie, really. Yeah, it feels as if, like, those are free movies. That could have been, fr- that could have been its own trilogy yeah shoved into like two and a half hours i was exhausted by the end because i felt i had to keep track you know i, I, I wish i had like a notebook 
<laughs> no, or, or like a crazy person's like notice board with strings, just so I can figure out what the plot of that one is. But I'll tell you something though. At least I had more plot than the movie we're about to talk about today. Oh God, yeah. So, in order to sort of kind of because the rise of Skywalker's come out. I told to Ed, right, we need to start off with a bang. We need to get a new soft reboot of the bang. And you know what? We should do a Star Wars ripoff movie. And there's yeah. loads of them. But I decided to say one that's more tolerable. Tolerable with air quotes. And that is Star Crash. Yes. The 1978 Italian Star Wars ripoff movie. Right. <laughs> say about it what did you actually think about the film in general before we go into any details um well like you've, like you've mentioned before it's like there's not there's not a lot going on <laughs> in the movie in terms of plot but yeah. it's like it's quite it's, it's it's got a lot going for it in terms of the the uh the effects effects <laughs> yeah in brackets in brackets in, in quotations yeah uh, and just a lot of weird, obscure stuff visually mm. that just makes it unintentionally like amazing, like they, it, you know, funny, like yeah. basically, uh, it was mm. what I'm saying. It's like it's it's got it's, it's, at times it's difficult to get through mm. because of the pacing of it and the fact that nothing's fucking going on at times. Oh, that's oh, oh we'll get into that in more yeah. detail. But, but Christ, in general, overall, I think they did the best they could with what money they had. Well, whatever money there was in here. I, we, we're going to break into some facts about that. But, yeah. I mean, the movie itself is, the plot-wise, we won't be breaking down the plot, per se. We're going to go for some of our best bits. But the plot is very bare. It's very simple. But it's padded by lots and lots of travelling. Yeah. I mean, in the, the opening sequence is like exteriors of spaceships isn't it like yeah. scrolling for a long time and they what's great about it is they look like airfix models you know like the the mm. like model kits you used to get as a kid yes and like uh you just they, they took eight they, they took ages to build loads of tiny bits in a, in a box <laughs> yeah i think they just use those like like that type of thing because they look exactly like toy spaceships yeah I, yeah it's something you find like in a toy store and you just paint it a little bit and put a string on it and go like there's a spaceship yeah it's 
kind of brilliant in that sense but you can all but other than that it's also like just this elongated moment like the edits for example just they're just sometimes just cutting to a person staring at something for yeah. very long periods of time or or or, or the traveling through space just seems to take as, as if they were proud of those miniatures and says this is so cool yeah, that it, we need you need to see every minute of this coolness yeah and it just looks like filler at times though doesn't it because it's like they let's just i don't know what to do for this but let's just do a long sequence of, of an ex, spaceship exterior for a long time <laughs> just gonna keep going how long is this spaceship i mean i mean i mean i've seen people do jokes about it where it's just like it's almost like they want to show the beginning of the ship right to the end of the ship yeah but when you do that kind of you go quite quickly this one just keeps it's like slow traveling yeah is it movies like sort of space balls and stuff do things like that yeah yeah they did a joke about that Mm. uh yeah but you know what it feels like even more even though i don't know if the movie came out before or after this do you remember the very first star trek movie the motion picture no right star trek the motion picture was the very first proper star trek movie so it's the one with you know captain kirk blah blah right they kind of this is the movie's quite bad and it reminds me a bit of that because the pacing's similar star trek the motion picture really tried to be more like 2001 a space odyssey yeah where they really want to show off how, how wonderful and how cool space is by doing it very slowly like the the, there's a shot of the Enterprise mm. that lasts, I swear to God, seven minutes. <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> You're sitting there going, we get it, it's the Enterprise, move on. Star Crash feels like that for me. It feels like whenever they're traveling, they oh Christ, I'm seeing the Enterprise for another seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Right, let's get right into it. Let's go right into a little bit of facts, a little bit of history about Star Crash. But uh, one thing I want to just play in the back, do it in the background. I know what we have here this time is like, we're going to do it differently to how we've done the podcast before. Well, I used to edit uh, bits or into the podcast. Yeah. But we're going to do some live reactions to stuff because Edward here has been very nice, at least for this episode, to get make a soundboard. Like that. I can't wait. I love it. I love it. So we it, we kind of feel like old we kind of feel a little bit like old school radio DJs at the minute. And remember this one from Leo Sayer? Nobody does. Nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> no one remembers the stuff you're trying to recommend, DJ. <laughs> Good grief! But um, uh, but I do know one of them that you have. As I describe a little bit about Star Crash, could you uh, play the theme song? I can. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, if you're not instigating Star Wars vibes out of this, I don't know what's wrong with you, right? So, I think it sounds like uh, an old Western TV show. <laughs> well, like the Lone Ranger. Hey! The Waltons. <laughs> the Waltons. Right, so... So, you got me on a tizzy. Right, Star Crash is a 1978-1979 American space opera film directed by Luigi Cosi, right? Luigi Cozy, obviously, we're noticing a little bit of trend with Italian directors, went on a completely different name for this movie. He went under the name Louis. He went under the name Louis Coates. Okay. So, so a lot of the Italian directors do like to use different pseudonyms, don't they? In America. Yeah. Because they feel like it would sell more. Yeah. I think. And it makes sense in that case. Um, right. It was... 
it was written by Cozy and a few other people as well. And it actually starred quite a few, quite a few big people. And surprisingly so. One, one of the most noticeable ones is, uh, we got, you, so you have, uh, Joe, Joe Spinell. You then got David Hasselhoff. Top billing. Hasselhoff. Top billing. The Hasselhoff. Takes the top spot. He does. <laughs> into radio mode here. I know. You are so into being DJ Ed. <laughs> I so love this. You, look at you with your machine. Oh, I should have put a clip of like David Hasselhoff singing like on here. Like, oh, Christ! His music. Oh dear, he was. Oh, he's like, do you remember this tune from Hasselhoff? No one really cares, right? And also, someone we're going to have to talk about at some point. Christopher Plummer's in this. Now, yes. this is Christopher Plummer here. Like, this is, you know, he's. Christopher fucking Plummer, right? The fact that he got into this movie is fascinating, right? Yeah. Now, I'm not going to break down the plot too much, but a brief, brief, brief summary of the plot is basically this. An outlaw smuggler and and her alien companion are recruited by the Emperor of the Galaxy to rescue his son and destroy a secret weapon by the evil Count Zarthon. The Count. The Count. I love the Count. Count Zarthon is fucking amazing. Absolutely amazing. That laugh in itself sums the fuck up, right? You too are to prevent them from leaving this room at all costs. You will stay with them until the end. Kill them if you have to. <laughs> Ooh, the timing. Kill them if you have to. If you have to, you know, like you know, it's a choice. And the laughter just get laughing just goes on and on. Sometimes he's pure manic cheese. Basically, the best way to describe uh, Count Zarthon is he's a pure pantomime villain, and I love him for it. It's kind of the reason why I kind of fall in love with this movie. Few little facts about this movie as we go along, right? So the so the movie it's the movie itself actually had quite a little, had a semi sort of decentish budget, uh, not about too, a million or something. Yeah, about a million a million dollars in seventies money. So that wasn't too bad. Mm. All right, it wasn't too bad at all. Mm. One other thing to basically mention is the production was interesting. Okay, Luigi Cozy actually stated that this is not a science fiction movie; it's a science fantasy movie. Okay. Right off the bat, he's automatically saying, "Don't call this a science fiction." He's already calling it a science fantasy, a space opera. So we're looking on the lines of Star Wars, and we're looking like Barbarella, Queen of the Galaxy. We're seeing that kind of spectrum of weird here. Okay, yeah. especially I actually argue if you actually like Barbarella, Queen of the Galaxy, you might actually kind of like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Stella Star is very sort of Barbarella. It's very, it's very much Jane Fonda. Yeah, like in just you know with the with the sexy everything. She, she's oh. like her out, let's get let's just talk about her outfits for a moment. Oh sure, her costume changes. And okay. it's just like because she doesn't need to be that sexy all the time, but she just she is. It's okay. just like not practical. Okay, I'm gonna to have to say something about this outfit, right? So basically, at the beginning of the movie, we have the, our lead, our, basically our lead actor, actress, the hero, Stella Star, played by Car- by Caroline Monroe, right? Um, right. She is basically sexy hand solo, and but she's a she's okay. Let's not lie, okay? She moans a lot. Yeah, not in a sexy way either. Although no. kinda. Um, but point being is she. I have is, got a, a clip of that. You got a clip. Go on. 
Stop. Yeah, right, no, moaning okay. indeed. <laughs> that is a Bikini Bay battle. It's so ridiculous. So, okay. So basically, the Caroline Monroe character, Stella Star, actually, as the movie goes along, she's actually at the beginning sexy, but fully dressed. Yes. And then by halfway through the movie, she's literally just wearing a bikini. She's losing clothing as the movie goes along. At one point, I think it was a bit where she gets kidnapped by by the space police and then she's put in she's put into this weird ass mine where she's dropping phantom power orbs it's so stupid it makes that when she gets she gets sentenced by this weird brain guy in a jar it's like yeah. this weird brain I, guy I, in a jar yeah who sounds like this as for you stella star having considered all the arguments studied all the videotapes all the videotapes. Condemn you to forced labor for life in the penal colony of the Second. It's like he's like reading his lines from a piece of paper, and he doesn't. He's only just giving given the paper. He just realised, okay, all right, you, see, you have to say this. You're now officially a brain in the jar. Enjoy this. Give give a sentence to a bikini babe. It's so bizarre. It kind of makes sense that she has the, the uh, weird bikini at that point because she's a slave. Yeah, but no one else is. No, but, it, but, it, but it's like, I suppose it's to... I was going to say it's because of the Princess Leia bikini, but that came later. That came later? Yeah, so it, did that inspire the bikini of Leia? Are you saying that George Lucas saw this movie and said, yes, more bikini, please? <laughs> He might have. Star Wars needs more bikini. <laughs> As we're still on the topic of the slave uh, section. Yeah. There's, do you remember the uh, slave driver? You could hear you could hear in the background, like, sort of... Yes, I can get back to it. Can you remember? He, he, he sounds like this. Move! Let's go! Will you step it up? Here, you can move! Careful with that radium! He's just shouting for like no reason. He's not, he's not really aiming it or shouting at anyone. He's just saying shit. He's a perpetually a perpetual angry man. He's just like constantly angry all the time. <laughs> I kind of love it. It's oh, it's it's it's, it's preposterous, right? Like, would you like a cup of tea? Yes, yes. I would like a cup of tea. I need something Ooh. now. <laughs> Give it to me now. Give it to me all the time. Ridiculous. Love it. But the, uh, it's from that point onwards, once he's in the mine, where Stella Star as a character both blossoms, but also wears less clothing. Yeah. Because halfway through the film, by literally a point, she's wearing nothing but a leather bikini. And this is clearly the director's choice, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But then halfway through, and then you might notice as well, in the second half of the movie, she's suddenly wearing sort of like a bizarre see-through sort of like m- suit. Mm-hmm. So she's still in a bikini, but she's still fully covered in like a mesh suit. Yeah. There's a reason for that. Okay. So uh, Caroline Monroe was originally going to wear a skimpy leather bikini throughout the entire movie. Even in the w- winter set. The whole snowy, scene. Snowy scene. The whole scene. But the American studio executive insisted that the writer-director Luigi Kozu 
uh, Cozzy, sorry, uh, have Monroe wear less provocative clothing in the second half of the movie because they thought the film would have problems being broadcast on network television. Oh, definitely. Yeah, she's she's just a sexy woman, even when she's fully clothed. <laughs> even when she's fully clothed, boobs and butts, right, are all on display. And if she was wearing just nothing but the leather bikini... I can totally imagine Caesar. we can't show this on TV. In fact, it's still heavily edited for TV, at least the mill section. Like, the when when they eventually get to the island of the crazy Amazon women, that is edited for television quite dramatically. Yeah. But, again, we're jumping over ourselves and going all over the place. So, so at the beginning, we've got Stella Star, sexy hand solo, right smuggler so we know that yeah and her companion friend her alien companion called acton 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 do you have have something about acton um i've got what's this go it's your duty you must live (laughs) yes so dramatic i can't i can't leave you you're the only human-like friend i've ever had I don't understand. What a lie. You never die. <laughs> Spoiler. Oh, Jesus. Sorry. But Acton is... Acton, okay. So bizarre. Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm stitching because Stella Stark goes, oh, come on. You never die. You're like, you never do this to me. Don't die on me. Like, I've never done it before. So Acton is kind of the Luke Skywalker of this, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I want to wait until you get more into like the the half character because I've got yeah, there's there's those two are too similar. They are, but I'll say one thing. I actually would argue that Acton's supposed to be Luke Skywalker part because he's supposed he has sort of weird force like powers, but he doesn't explain what his powers are, what they do, and are completely irregular and inconsistent throughout he's, the entire movie. He's got it. too many powers. He's like Jesus Christ. He's like Jesus. He's like Superman. But here's the thing with them. Even with them, right, even with Jesus and Superman, he they he uses more. They, it's used more than once, so he knows he has control over it. It seems like with him, it, it, all this stuff only happens once every time. Like it says, like oh, I can now, I can do this now. Do 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 do. Okay, brilliant. And it says, oh, now I can do this now. Well, like I can thaw, I can thaw out, uh, like a woman smuggling ice. Oh, I can now kind of semi levitate. Oh, I can kind of do this. Basically, if it's relevant to the plot, he will have that power. Exactly. And also, one thing to mention about Acton, who which is amazing, is he has the most amazing head of hair, the best. The mess, like, blonde afro you will ever see in your flipping life. But don't you think this is another reason why he's too similar to the half? Because the half also has a nice curly afro. He does. When he when he appears later on in the movie, uh, uh, when he appears later on in the movie with this gorgeous afro, <laughs> wow. This definitely proves it was the 70s, basically, right? This proves it was the 70s and perms and afros were all in, baby. All in. <laughs> Kind of love it. Yeah, we then got of then we we then got then we got the the two police officers that are chasing them right. Those we got Thor and L, mm. right. So L is a L is a robot. Now, do you have do you just to demonstrate what I'm talking about? L has the weirdest choice for an accent 
I think, in the history of Robotdom. Do you have a robot clip? I have one that's very appropriate. Please. It's so nice to be turned on again. And how. (laughs) Allow me. Same old chauvinist robot. (laughs) Pretty much. I burst out laughing when I was watching and I heard... So nice to be turned on again. That'll be all the bikini bays, mate. <laughs> of course. So L is a southern, um, southern pervert robot. I get. I think I know what they're do, going for with him. Well, like because, a, well, like a C three PO. Well, it's because basically Star Wars is yeah. like a space western, isn't it? Yes. Basically. Yeah. And they, he went a bit too far and actually made him sound like, make him sound like a cowboy. But he, but he, but he looks like the robot you'd find in, uh, like Lost in Space. Well, he doesn't actually look like a robot at all. He just looks like a man in a suit, doesn't he? He, he doesn't move like a robot. He true. He just he, his suit is like like rubbery, isn't it? Like yeah, but it's clearly their attempt at a like like the C three PO or their R two D two. Yes, right. Uh, but yes, we have L. Who, personally, he's my favourite character because he's so inappropriate. Like, he's constantly hitting on Stella Star all the time. And it's... But at times where you don't think it's appropriate, like at times where, it's, where, where like they're they're investigating the crashes and uh, like the sp- like the starship crashes and all this kind of stuff and all and everything else, and he just hits on her constantly. I'm like, stop. And I- <laughs> like stop and she says stuff like, like in the clip same old chauvinist robot look at you I'm so used to being treated like a like an object well done you who programmed this robot to make him such a chauvinistic pig <laughs> you know uh, we also then have Thor uh, Thor is Thor is basically a blue skinned like chief of police yeah Okay, because the whole point is at the very, very beginning of the movie, um, Stella Star and Acton are, like, being chased by these two technically space police. Yeah, space police. So you've got R2-T2. I'm not sure what Thor is supposed to be. Thor seems, like, a little bit everywhere. Thor, look, he's like, he looks like an alien, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's, an alien, he's a blue-skinned humanoid. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have any powers or anything like that. Nothing makes him, like, really alienish. He's just blue-skinned. Yeah. And in terms of the Star Wars canon, I don't know where he would properly fall into. Is he supposed to be like the Chewbacca, but like he's not hairy? <laughs> wow. Because he's like, he's in their ship. Yeah. And he's like their sort of companion, but he, uh, yeah. No but, but, no, but later on in the movie, we realise that he's not the good guy. So he goes, Thor ends up betraying them. So I yeah, don't think... Yeah, and they have... An, Thor and Axon have a very good fight. Oh, oh boy. Oh, you got something for the fight. Okay. How long will the delay be? I think a very long time. You shouldn't try taking off without asking me first. This time I'll make sure you're dead. That's Thor. (laughs) This fight is absolutely hilarious. I love it. It is a proper Star Trek, like, TV series fight. This is the thing. It's trying to be Star Wars, but all it reminds me is early Star Trek. Oh, 
this is a bit where he's getting crushed into the machine. And then finally he realizes, oh shit, I have force powers. And then just wails on him. Yeah, that, that, what you're hearing there is laser eyes. <laughs> laser eyes, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely brilliant. I kind of just... One little interesting thing about this fight is that it was all improvised on the spot. You can tell. <laughs> it actually says in the notes that there was no choreography. It was just them making it up as it went because the director didn't actually have any idea what the fight was. The, he did know all he knew that laser beams were involved. No one can survive these deadly rays. At this point, Thor is shooting him with a laser beam. And this is how him using his mind powers to kill him. It's ridiculous. The lasers in particular are very much like he's standing there and it's like very drawn on and he's just going, it's like, no, clear. it's like, you should die from these death rays. And he's sitting there going like, dude, after a couple, stop shooting him. It's not I working. I'm telling you, actor, he's too powerful. He's too powerful. He's godlike. He is OP. He's so OP. Thing is, though, if he was supposed to be the Luke Skywalker character, there's no arc. You know how Luke trains to be a Jedi. Yeah. You're just thrown in with these people. They've already got the powers. They've already got, like... Yeah. They're already at their peak, really. So mm. they've got nowhere to go, like, in the... But, it, yeah, but then even then, you say that, but then Acton is the one with the lightsaber. Yes. So he's totally Luke Skywalker. Which, by the way, the lightsaber... Yeah. It sounds like this. <laughs> Sounds like a. That's when he either puts it on yeah. or takes it down, uh, turns it off. It sounds like it sounds like a slide whistle. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. So when all that's happening, at some point in this sort of situation, right? Uh, they get well. They, I don't say they get a phone call, but they get but 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 they they get an interaction. Uh, they get an interaction by Christopher Plummer. Yeah. Was the Emperor of the Galaxy? What a title! Yeah. Now, interesting thing about Christopher Plummer: a couple few things about how we got the role and what happened to him. So, number one, Christopher Plummer was paid ten thousand dollars a day, right? With a budget of about a million, that that that, that goes pretty quick, right? He was only there for two days, though, <laughs> so it wasn't that expensive, right? Um, there's a there's actually the, it went. You're thinking, like, Christopher Plummer's quite a big known actor. How the hell did he decide to pick this role? I'm not joking. He said, Christopher Plummer admitted that he did the film so he could take a chance to visit Italy for free. Right. All right, because his scenes, all his scenes were apparently all shot in two days, and that's it. Mm. One, well, one, which is the hologram sequence, which, that is, it's, you know, you got something? <laughs> I come to you because my faithful robot, L, has told me that you Beautiful are the only one who can save us. He sounds You so know, tired. you must be the best pilot in the whole galaxy. <laughs> the sad you piano is brilliant. He sounds computer. so tired. Stella. He sounds like he just got the script first thing in the morning. Two warring factions. And say, just read this. And the one ruled There's little Captain Kirk pauses which I like. Which is what we're saying. Like, this feels more like Star Trek than Star Wars. We've begun to receive troublesome reports from our spies among the League. They have informed us. <laughs> this is an exposition dump. Completely. A new, limitless 
weapon. A weapon so vast. So vast. So huge, that it would take a whole planet to conceal it. They're all channeling why we sent the William Shatner here. Did they find the planet? The ship came so close. So close. So, so close. To discovering the Count's secret. But yet so far. And it was suddenly attacked by a horde of unknown monsters. When he's we saying these lies, the characters are just looking at him like they love him. They look, it, it's, they're looking like there's there's nothing there and there's everything there. The, their expressions on all four characters are ridiculous. They're just, it's like a blank space but in awe at the same time. How does that work? To the haunted stars. Yes. You must find that ship. Find the Count's secret planet and destroy it. There we go. So it's like it reminds me of like a, a video game. You know when you get set a quest at the beginning of a game. Totally. This is very much like like this is where the fantasy element really kicks in. When it comes to Christopher Plummer, he mentioned that he wanted to do it for free. In an interview, he actually said this, and I love this quote. I had to share it with everybody. Right? He was only there for two days. Who? Picture it for two days. Twenty thousand dollars. Good money. Good money. 70s as well. 70s as well. Good mm. money. Goddamn good money. <laughs> so, Christopher Farber said, in an interview, he said, give me Rome any day. I'll do porno in Rome as long as I get to Rome. Getting to Rome was the greatest thing that happened to me on that movie. Yeah. The, um... He remind, the, the My memory of him, my strongest memory of him, is in The Return of the Pink Panther. Yeah. Yeah, he plays like the the thief, doesn't he? That the the sort of charismatic thief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The jewel thief. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember him now. Yeah, I remember from that. I mean, I've, I remember Christopher Plummer more later. Mm. Now, I, I I've stumbled him more later in his later years, where he's doing really good roles. Like yeah. recently, like wasn't he in recently like in Knives Out? I think it was. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So you see, he's so good now that mm. to see him in this in the seventies in this schlock. He just, like, back then, he was just anything he got paid a decent amount for, yep. Just like, I'll have it. I'll do that. I'll do that. Like, he might not have been huge then, but or huge, huge as it was, like, now, but still, like, you know, $20,000 for two days of filming and being in Italy for free. And you can tell, actually, that he wasn't there long because when he is delivering a line, he just makes it count, doesn't he? Like, that mass, those massive monologues. Yeah, he's, made, he's almost like... He's, I bet he's maybe had an argument with a director to say, look, I'm only going to do this once. <laughs> I'm only going to do this once. Maybe twice if I'm feeling generous. So he is basically the emperor of the galaxy. So he's the one giving the message and saying, go on this quest. You have yes. to do this for me, right? And and just as you probably heard there, even though we were laughing all, all over it, is that he said that there was a, there was a starship with his son on it um, we just started who got attacked by Count uh, by Count Zarth Arn, right? Uh, by some weird sort of bizarre red dots. Uh, okay, okay. It's, he didn't say I've been attacked by red dots, but the movie shows that these the, the crew at the very beginning of the movie just got attacked by red floating dots. There's lots. Uh, the version I saw was quite low quality. Yeah, and there was lo- whenever, there's lots of red. Whenever there's lots of red on screen, like mm. lighting or like. It just kind of looked so blurry. You couldn't see what was going on. It was just like so much red. Like like they were inside like a jello mold, like jelly mold. <laughs> oh my, everyone's like grabbing their head going, ah, 
And everything was just red covered, loads of red dots and filters all over the place. Apparently these space red dots are sort of like this lethal, it's like Darth, it's like uh, Zarthan's lethal weapon. Yeah. Speaking of Zarthan, we need to talk about the Count. Mm. So the Count is based, the Count has been, was played by uh, Joe Spinell. And oh my sweet God, isn't he just the campest thing on the planet? He's like, um, it's obviously, he's not playing like the Darth Vader character, but it's like um, Ming the Merciless from yes. Flash Gordon. Yes. Or even more camp. Even more camp than Ming the Merciless, right? Yeah. And look, look, I mean, here's a weird thing. Like, Flash Gordon would be totally fine for an episode of Trash Tapes, to be frank. But even then, like, it's so fun looking at Flash Gordon and stuff. Here, it almost I almost feel sorry for half the cast, because they're trying so hard. I think he was having so much fun with it, though. Yeah. You could tell that he was like a pantomime villain type like and he, it must be fun to play that kind of camp evil villain he's he's doing the laugh and he what my one of my favorite bits with him yeah was when a couple of times in the movie he reacts to bad news like like one of his like soldiers comes in of course and says it's something bad and like it's like i don't know like the 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 the, the uh ship is approaching mm. and he, he just like reacts like what? <laughs> what? <laughs> he says that loads of times, and it's just like I can imagine him. Like, just imagine if you knew him, right? Yeah. And you were like, oh, um, I just I'm sorry. I, I've been. I've just got back from co-op, and they uh, they didn't <laughs> have on. any Mars bars like you wanted. They only had Snickers. And he was like, what? <laughs> Oh, it's like no, it's like you could go anything like this. You do any, you could do very bad news. Like, um, I'm very, very sorry to tell you, but um, your grandma died. What? <laughs> or you could go the other way, go like, um, I'm sorry, but um, we've run out of coffee. What? <laughs> I could do that all day. But. I know, I know you could, but yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. He's he's. I'll admit that he's probably... He's great in it because of his pure cheese, right? And I think what I like him more because of his cape. Okay, actually, more than anything else. He's got, like, a pure... Almost like a Dracula-like cape. Oh, and he, he, when he delivers a big line, he, like, Whoosh. flaps his cape and walks off. And then maybe does a laugh as he's walking off. Like, who wouldn't? Like, this is the thing that I would totally get. I understand. If I had a cape, I would be doing that all the time. Yeah. I'll be flinging around. I'll be doing all the swooshes with it. I'll be doing dramatic pauses and doing an evil laugh behind it. I totally would. But, I mean, he's got, like, really good lines, though, to, to be able to, like... I think he's in his right mind to uh, to pull off the, the cape flapping. I mean, he says stuff like this. By sunset, I'll be the new emperor. And I will be the master of the whole universe. That's just the master of the universe. He's look at the end of the day. Who doesn't want to be the emperor of the galaxy, the master of the universe? You know what's interesting, actually. Joe Spinell, who was the uh, who was basically Count, was also the dialogue director on the set. Okay, because remember, this was an Italian production, mm. so a lot of it was so a lot of, half the cast, half the crew was Italian. Some of the cast was Italian, and so. It was up to him to sort of rewrite dialogue in English to some of the English-speaking members of the crew, but also when they had to dub it. 
Now, okay. Did you notice that there were some weird dubbing issues throughout the whole movie? Oh yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just like, but you always get with these kind of movies. Mm. Often the whole thing is like ADR, isn't it? Yeah, especially with Italian movies because Italian movies already kind of have this structure. All movies from Italian movies kind of follow this, where they focus primarily on getting the film sorted out. And what they do is they get local Italian actors and actresses to say English lines. Yeah. So, obviously, they don't speak English very well. So, obviously, then they dub it over Mm. with other actors. And I'd heard that uh, it was because sound equipment's so so expensive. Like, sound recording equipment, like set recording. Oh, totally. So, they often it was just because of the budget as well. Mm. Yeah, most of it was for the budget. And here's Mm. the thing as well, actually. Um, Only four members of the entire crew were were came back were able to come back and have their own voices for the english dub of the movie mm. everyone else were dubbed by different people including stella star ah so stella star what you hear that sultry voice of hers is not her it's by a woman called candy clark <laughs> who was uh, who actually was the wife or the girlfriend of the time of Major Garthoff, who was acted. All right. But the reason why they were the only four is because the post-production budget was so tight. And it makes sense because, weirdly, even though the movie looks cheap, I can clearly see they spend the majority of the budget on sets. Yeah. Or, on lo- or going on location. Because they went to several different locations. They went to, very much like Star Wars, went to places like Morocco, went to Hollywood, went to places in Rome, went to uh, went to other places in the Mediterranean. They actually travelled around. Yeah. So they had very little budget on post-production. So basically, L had his voice changed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stella Starr had his voice, had her voice changed because it would have been too expensive to fly them back in. Right. So everyone else was dubbed. What was the um, the effects budget though? Do you think? Well, uh, to be honest, the effects budget might not have been great. I I read that the uh, effects, like original effects artist, dropped out. Mm, yes, he yeah. did. He did, so they had to. Uh, so they had to sort something out. <laughs> just like a, the, the guy they got to replace him, just kind of just did a mock job, didn't he? Like, oh, I don't know, I'll, I'll put this well, uh, here a little bit. Well, there. at the same time, like I said, the post production budget was tight, so probably yeah. sat there going like, "Okay, I'm ready to do this. I want to do all these things." It's like, oh, we didn't have much time on set to do this kind of stuff, and some things on set they're going to have to do, and they didn't have the money for it. Oh, we'll run with it. Yeah. We'll do lasers in post. Mm. They had no money for post, so this is why all the laser beams look ridiculously cheap. Oh my god, it looks so cheap. It's one of my favourite things in it. But I love the sound effects and stuff. So sometimes I can forgive like visuals if the sound is good. And and it, it's like it's cheesy sound, but it's really good laser gun sounds. Like even with that, I think oddly enough, the sound effects and the music kinda save this movie a bit. Yeah, the, the music um I read as well is John Barry. It's John he was Barry. Like the James the famous James Bond composer. Yeah. Like all the early James Bond movies were done by jo- John Barry, weren't they? Yeah. And as a little fact, the filmmakers were highly reluctant to allow John Barry to see the movie beforehand <laughs> in case he decided to quit the project before. 
You would, wouldn't you? Yeah, you, 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 like, imagine you, like, you saw this and go, I ain't going to do the music for this. What are you talking about? So they kind of had him sign the deal first and held him back long as possible to watch the, than watching the movie, mm. which is why the music itself almost felt like you can watch it on its own. It didn't really feel like the music kind of linked with a lot of the movie. No, they just slapped it in here and there, didn't they? Like, Yeah. And most of it's just sound alikes of the Star Wars, obviously. Yeah, but here's the thing. Do you know who was originally going to be the uh, the composer? No. Another famous Italian composer. Who do you think I'm talking about? Ennio Morricone. Oh. He was awful. originally and, offered the opportunity, but he And that turned, would have been even like more like the Western kind of thing. Yes, yeah. but he turned it down the moment he read the script. Because the script was probably like one page. Exactly. Going, what are you talking about? What is this? So yeah, the, the, the music's actually really cool. I think the music is actually really good. It, the, you could actually, there was a limited run of it on vinyl very, for quite a while ago. Yeah, well, I mean, John Barry's really good, so. Yes, so I think he basically said like, look, yeah, I'm John Barry, right? As like, look, I did Star Crash, okay? But I'm proud of my work. <laughs> so put it, put, put it out there. So yeah, there was, a, there was a brief run of it on vinyl. So There's like really good bits where, I haven't got a clip of it, but in sometimes a dramatic moment, mm. it goes like, dun, 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 like that. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can kind of sense that he's still, he's kind of like semi-rehashing some of the stuff he did on, uh, or like on, on, on James Bond movies. Yeah. Like doing a few bits, few stings here and there. Mm. But it's a good soundtrack and the, and the sound effects are all the kind of sci-fi cheese you're looking for. When the Emperor finally has told the gang right go and find my son's ships right they seem to go on like this weird MacGuffin trail like they seem to try and find different things and on the same time you need to find the emperor's planet so a little bit like rise of skywalker there's loads of MacGuffins they have to try and chase in order to get to the bad guy (laughs) sorry sorry i kind of just have mm, little things about rise of skywalker that i would not don't want to get into everybody does everyone now the move okay just to say very quickly before we get onto this Rise of Skywalker isn't a bad movie. It's just not a good movie. That yeah. makes sense? Yeah. I mean, it does, the thing is, a lot of Star Wars nerds mm. uh, would, like, sort of lay into it, like, proper. Like, but, but the thing is, if you're not the biggest Star Wars geek ever, mm. you can just appreciate it, like, for what it is, and it's, it's, it's just okay, you know? It's just not terrible, but it's not, like... It doesn't... It's not like... I wouldn't send a lynch mob after it, you know what I mean? It's mm. like... Yeah, yeah, I know. I it's know. just a bit of a mess, uh, but it, you know, it's got some decent moments. Uh, we're not doing a review of that anyway. But yeah, like. no, it's got decent moments and stuff like that. But basically, it's got that thing, right? But the plot's very similar, I argue, because about uh, it's a bunch of people trying to travel to places, drop into different planets, trying to find the Empress planet. Yeah, which is very much like um, Palpatine trying to find his planet. It's so bizarre watch this again and watch rise of skywalker like oh my god the plot's so similar i will say that i did like how i did look like all the gothic cinematography of palpatine yeah like all the weird kind of like like flickering like lighting on him and stuff it was like so goth it was awesome like nosferatu and you know what you know what the sad thing i think this movie uh, let's talk about star crash now right it needed an emperor palpatine he needed a sort of cheese like yes yes yeah because the Count was too likeable, wasn't he? He was a villain, but he was really likeable. He was too cheesy. Yeah. And you need something pure evil, and we're missing that. So, 
on their travels, basically, they go to different planets trying to find coordinates from all the little pods that escape from the ship to find the Emperor's planet. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, they find three different planets. So let's go for each one. First of all, let's let's actually do. First of all, let's do the one we were talking about for most of the thing, the Amazonian women planet. The best one, best planet, the best fucking planet. <laughs> and it's because it's so blatantly obvious what it's trying to be. It's clearly there for the boobs. There's yeah. no reason why it's the case. So L and Celestar go to the land of beautiful women basically get kidnapped by the whip by the by these beautiful women in bikinis and then talk to the queen which is i think coralina i believe yeah. who is the queen of the of the planet queen of the amazonian women who are who somehow in cahoots with the count but also hates everybody of the count and there's some kind of prophecy and it's ridiculous yeah, and it's like oh, I, I, I didn't understand the association. Like, it, 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 I, I, I was just, to be honest, I was distracted by the fact that she was just too sexy. I know, <laughs> and she spe- her speaking voice was really like Very sensual. Sensual. <laughs> the bit was just random. Is that L? L sort of gets so L and Stella Star get kidnapped by the Amazonian women. Mm. And the thing is, they don't even. It's not even much of a fight at the beginning because they're just at the. Sp- yeah, do you want to do you want to play something? Look, like he's about to play something. I want to play again. You'll pay for this. Don't make us kill you. Don't make us kill you, damn it! It's even worse when it's just audio. Because all you hear is the sexual groans and stuff. Yeah, I mean, although I say something, the kicks. Can I just say, like, uh, it looks like she did the majority of her own stunts, right? And. Oh, she's a badass, yeah. I mean, like, she's good. Mm. I mean, the fights are terrible, but she's at least pulling, like, high kicks and attempting to do, like, cool punches and stuff. All in basically a bikini and high heel fuck boots, right? Because yeah. those are really high stilettos. Uh, but the thing is, they she first of all she barely puts up a fight when a bunch of Amazonian women arrive at the beach, right? And then when she gets kidnapped, L magically disappears. 
was like L disappear for some reason, or was he like put in a cage or something? I don't uh, know. What happened. Don't they? They shoot him. Yeah, they shoot him, and he, he kind of like. So I think he gets out. He's out of commission for a bit, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's like he's de- he, like he's like he shoots him, and but takes the robot in with them. Yeah, and then takes then takes Stella Star, and you see her barely struggling, but she looks like she's struggling really hard. But it's like, uh and to talk to the queen of the Amazonian women. But before that happens, they're just like, it's like, don't talk to us this way. We're here to kidnap you. It's like, well, you already kidnapped me. We're already at the, pl- we're already in the palace. <laughs> and then she pulls up a fight. Like, do, do, do. And it takes her to the queen. And the queen saying the whole spiel, like it's a prophecy, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's nonsense here. This is pure nonsense. And then Elle comes in and says the most misogynistic shit. It's like, don't make me try and hurt you. And it's like saying, wait a minute, you're already such a pig to to Stella Star. And yet you're like slightly more polite to these Amazonian women you haven't met who are probably more scantily clad. I mean, this was a t- this is, I think this is a, like the time it was set, wasn't it? Yeah. You get like when men were like chauvinistic back then, it was funny, wasn't it? It was, yeah. like, it was a joke. And it's like, oh, yeah. male chauvinist pig, you know, like, Ooh. whatever. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, and then that ho- then that whole sequence happens. They find out that a little clue went and go off somewhere else. And this is the, this is the movie itself. They go through different planets trying to find more information about it, right? And as and so they go to the second planet, which is the ice planet. Mm. Where literally, what's the point of the ice planet? They literally just find something. Just before they do it, they just freeze to death. <laughs> before we go fully onto the ice planet, I want yeah. to talk about the massive giant. Like, like you know the 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 leader of the Amazon women. Yes. Uh, like sets this like guardian, as you call it. Oh my god, a golem! It's like and this a golem. golem. And it, I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like a silver, like blow up doll. Yes. <laughs> it's like absolutely like the size of a building. Yes. <laughs> and it's animated like it doesn't know what it's doing. It's kind of like stumbling all over the place, like really jerky. And it's like, oh God, I don't know why I'm this big. I can't handle it. <laughs> oh my God, it's all over the place. It's, it's like it's, it's like it suddenly discovered sentience and has no idea what to do with it. So there, it's kind of like, they're running away from it, but it kind of doesn't, like, it looks like it doesn't know what it's doing. So it probably won't attack them. It's kind of terrifying. Now, here's the thing, though, just to be sure, and this happens quite a bit, a lot of the robots, other than L, are stop motion. Mm. And it's because the director was a huge fan of Ray Harryhausen. Yeah, I did actually adore the stop motion animation. I thought it was charming. I love stop motion. I think it's like, it's a lost art. It's not really done much now. Yeah, it's not done like this, no. And I think it looks so great. Even though it's jerky, I just, I really appreciate stop motion. And here's the thing. This is the reason why he went for the Harry, the Ray Harryhausen approach. Mm. He, the, Luigi Cozy actually had an interview. He basically was talking about how, at the time, people were, like you say, like, oh, you're doing this because it's very similar to Star Wars and stuff like that, right? Cozy said this. Cozy has never, never seen the film. He's never seen the film, but apparently he heard, he, he saw the novelization of the film in his library. He read it and began working on his own version. Mm. But then later on in another interview... He said that he wasn't at all inspired by Star Wars and it was all a coincidence because he he wrote the script before the movie came out. So basically, he read the script, I think he wrote the script in 1977, Mm. just a little bit before the movie came out. 
apparently. So he's contradicting his own terms. Yeah. But the said the main his main influence was Sinbad. <laughs> okay. He wanted to Sinbad in space. Yeah. And this is why the Ray Harry doesn't Housen, everybody doesn't anyone want to do Sinbad in space, right? But <laughs> I love that. That's the thing is, I want to do Sinbad, but in space. And so this is what the movie is. And to be honest, I get that. Watching this is sort of like the adventures of Sinbad, but in space. It's like Barbarella, Queen of the Galaxy. It's like Star Trek. The only problem, the reason why it's feeling so much like Star Wars, is because. There are some blatantly obvious things that are nicked from Star Wars, like the lightsaber, you know, the Luke Skywalker-like character, the bloody Count that's pretty... That that Zarth on, it sounds like Darth. Come on, you're holding a little bit too much, yeah? But I feel like it's it just happened to be bad timing. If Star Wars didn't come out, Mm. maybe two things happened. This movie may not never existed... Or this would have been the new Star Wars. <laughs> so yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. But I, I suppose it's like anyone would say that, wouldn't they? You know, if, if something because the trouble is as well, you can sometimes you can write something, you can have an idea mm. before something else comes out, mm. and you'll think, "No, oh, I came up with that. I came up with that idea." But then subconsciously, when you become, when you go, if it's a film, when you go to make it. You'll mm. be inspired by stuff that's around you subconsciously a lot of the time. And Star Wars, you couldn't avoid it, could you? Like, Star Wars was all over the place in, like, in the 70s. Yeah. Like, 70s, it was the movie. Yeah. And it's, it's like, and you, the, you've got to, surely, you've got to just do it for, like, like the, you know, the, the, the dollar cashing in on it. Because it's like, it's so big that, okay, if I take some of those influences in my movie, people mm. are going to love it, surely. So this is why uh, this is why I think he tried to contradict himself a little bit, yeah. because clearly he was... Maybe he did find a novelization mm. and wanted to do his own version of Star Wars because he never saw the film. He read the book, liked it. Weirdly enough. But I think also as well, like, he was being, you know, produced for an American studio. They're looking for something big. Star Wars came out. The studio probably asked him to do something like this. He wrote basically stuff he knew, so Sinbad, Barbarella, all that kind of stuff, and make a movie out of it. Mm. It just happens to be in the same kind of fantasy genre that Star Wars was, and Star Wars did it better. Yeah. Basically. Even though, like, some things are purely ripped off. But to defend it, I mean, like they Star Wars had ridiculous amount of money to work with. But like, but how much more did they have? Like with Star Wars, <laughs> here's the thing: like Star Wars was a gamble as well when it made came out of the time. Like people yeah. didn't think it was going to be a big thing. In fact, Star Wars at the very beginning of the of, at the very beginning, the very first draft of the edit was considered terrible, mm. and it was saved in the edit. Well, the, here's the thing: I mean, I, when I when I go back and watch the original Star Wars now, I find it a bit slow. Do you? A little like, bit. It's like I I really like Empire Strikes Back and and and, and Return of Jedi is not 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 bad. Yeah. But like the first movie, I, I sometimes I'm like, there's well, a, there's you, a, there's a, the bits of it are okay. Well, but, be honest though, the thing is, it's I, I still it's a little slow, but I think to be honest, it's still a decent pace. Like stuff happens like every ten minutes. Yeah. Unlike Star Crash, which it takes. <laughs> I know. 20 minutes to get somewhere. Oh, my God. They've gone to the first planet. Now going to the second planet, the ice planet, where they literally spend the majority of time just frozen to death. Yeah. I think that's literally it. Like, do they find anything else interesting on the ice planet? 
Uh, I can't remember what they're looking for. Well, they're, they're, they're kind of they're, they're just walking around in the snow. They're basically finding clues and coordinates and information from each planet to guide them to the planet. Basically, following the pods. Basically, the, yeah. each pod has a coordinate, and he be- and he believes that one of those three pods has to lead to the Emperor's planet. Yeah. So they go to the second one, which is the ice planet, and they find the pod and everything else, and it's all missing. But it just seems like a plot device to get them trapped. Literally trapped. Because of the the, the backstab from From Thor. Thor. Yeah, because this is the thing. They are there... Actor never leaves his ship for most of this movie no. because he is like the he, he's he's like he's like he's also Chewy, which is weird. He's Luke Skywalker and Chewy. He's got the hair for it. Oh my god, it's such gorgeous hair. And so he's the navigator. So he's also Chewbacca, right? So he never leaves the ship. But then this is where he gets a whole backstabbing thing from Thor, which we played the amazing fight scene from. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, it's took quite a long clip. I don't need to play it. Again. Yeah, we don't need to play it again. But it's, honestly, that clip's amazing because it's just so ridiculous, right? Uh, but while that's happening, since something bad's happened while these two are on the way, they basically fall. They, they fall. They have a bit of a conflict, whatever it is. L and Stella freeze to death. Yeah, like Stella, like Elle just sort of collapses, and, and it's kind of cute in a yeah. weird way because they're holding hands while it's happening. Yeah, because L keeps her alive by because he's a robot obviously yeah. he can like regulate her temperature i think via yeah. so, so there's that connection so it's sweet they're holding hands but there is a the purpose of why he's holding her hand it's like yeah he's keeping her alive basically isn't he yeah yeah but at the same time we're sitting there going come on you're just macking on her aren't you you're so thirsty for her oh my god stop being so thirsty I, yeah, although admittedly, Stellar Star is a tall, is a very, very tall glass of water. Oh my god! But the, as well, like she's like really sort of, uh, she she says some really nice things about him at that point, doesn't he? And you know, all yeah. he ever does is like really sort of like he's dead like perving on her and stuff. A hundred percent. And she's like, "Oh, you're the best companion I've ever had. Like, you're my best robot friend." Yeah. So at th- at some point, well, after the backstab of Thor. Uh, Acton finds that finds Stella and L and says, "Oh my, oh my fucking god! Why are you frozen?" Puts her in, and using his force mind powers, melts her basically. Again, he's like with these Superman powers, just whatever's relevant to the situation, he'll have a power for. I know, and it's brilliant, and also very frustrating but great thing about it is is that basically I actually kind of love it because it's so cheesy the constant dissolves of how she's melting oh god that's like when you first discover like 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 cross fades and stuff in like yeah. editing programs <laughs> And like, I don't, oh, look at all these effects I can do. I can have, I can blend that to that. And it's like, so many shots just overlapping. I love it. I love it. It's so, it's so 70s, so cheesy, so fun. Mm. This thing is, even with all the slow bits we've mentioned, when it finally gets something done, it's really fun and really cheesy and so stupid. They, so now she's thawed out. She realises, we need to go to the third pod. The third pod will tell us where the Emperor's planet is. Yeah. They go to this place. And this place is just filled with cavemen. <laughs> evil, evil cavemen. It feels like, for example, I love this, because basically like the director's thinking, like, right, we've got three planets. What kind of three planets we do? We'll do, so, we'll do, do different movies, basically. 
This is like uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, isn't it? Like, that's mm. what I kind of felt like that, you know, like, I need, I need to be like a monolith somewhere in the background. Oh, my God. Just imagining at the end going, oh, throw the bone. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he, they end up going onto the planet of the cavemen. Here's an interesting factoid. There was supposed to be more dinosaurs in the movie. There was a dinosaur sequence, but it got right. deleted. Yeah. Couldn't afford it or something. No, 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 it was there. Oh, right, it got deleted. It got on the cutting room floor, basically. Yeah. They deleted the sequence with the dinosaur. Oh. I know, right? I want a dinosaur in this. I want it to be like a dino planet. They got rid of the dinosaur, but they kept the massive blow-up doll walking around. I know! <laughs> the weird, 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 like, Ray Harryhausen boobied blow-up doll robot. It has, like, nipples that look like <laughs> like machine guns. You know, like the Austin the Powers? powers. <laughs> yes, that stayed, but the dinosaur didn't. Are you thinking, if you're going to do Ray Harryhausen, dinosaur is, like, the ultimate tribute. How did that got deleted? I don't fucking know. All right, so... And as usual, at this point, and here's, this is actually quite sad at this point. Um, so Stella and L again, basically Stella and L go on the trek. Acton stays on the ship because he always fucking does, <laughs> right? Because holy hell! And he's uh, agoraphobic. Is that he's like you can't leave the ship? I, I can't leave the ship. This is my home. I don't like weird places. And obviously, the you're seeing a little bit of a pattern with some of these things. So, you know, Stella Star gets kidnapped by the cavemen. Mm. But L, something bad happens to L. Yeah, L gets a uh, gets beaten to a pulp. Those cavemen were so <laughs> bloody aggressive. I was like quite scared by that scene. Ripped apart. So the so L is gone now. He's gone. There is no. He's not coming back. He's been demolished. And then this is the moment. After when Stella gets kidnapped and about to be eaten alive by cavemen, David Hasselhoff. How late does he come into the movie? He's top billing as well. Top billing. Maybe because of Knight Rider and stuff like that. But like... But that's... A, but he comes in an hour <laughs> into this movie. Like an hour and a bit into this movie. And he has top billing. It's I've ridiculous. Him. Yes, please. Where he introduces himself. Please. You put yourself in great danger just to save me. Where are you from? My name is Simon. Simon. I'm the only survivor from the wreck of an Imperial mission. <gasps> he's the man from the pod. <laughs> I love that he's called Simon. Isn't that a very sci-fi kind of like... Here's the thing, though. He's called Simon when he's not a prince. When he's a prince, he's called Prince Simone. It's mm. ridiculous, right? But, because he's revealed that he's actually the son of the Emperor, mm. right? Here's an interesting fact. Do you know at the very beginning he's wearing a mask? Yeah. For no fucking reason. There is a reason. <laughs> but it's not... Um, an it's, energy mask. He says an energy mask, which is... It's, it's, that's bollocks. That's bollocks. There's an actual reason why, okay? So... <clears throat> so, David Hasselhoff got sick on set from food poisoning... So the one with the mask is actually a body double. Right. So they could film half the movie, right? I did wonder why it seemed so forced, the fact that he had to explain the energy mask in that scene, like, you know, when he wasn't, when he took it off. 
Mm. <laughs> it's just like, no, it's an energy mask. It's like, there's not much energy to go around, you know, so I need to put it back on. But it's like, it was like, because she, you know, it just seemed like, I'll have to force this line in to explain the mask. It, it does feel like random. Yeah. Why he's wearing a mask in the first place and why it needs to be explained. Because he doesn't wear it again. He never wears it again. If it's an energy mask that provides him with extra strength or something, he'd wear it all the goddamn time. Mm. He never puts it back on. Although apparently he wasn't the only one who got uh, food poisoning. <laughs> God, what were they feeding them? What was in know. the buffet? Well, David Hasselhoff's bout of onset food poisoning was well documented. Car- I mean, Caroline Monroe also. Got food, got food poisoning. Had a close save with gastric distress, which she revealed in an interview with Phantasm in 1993. And this is what she said. In one scene, I need the bathroom so bad, I thought, it's a good job I'm wearing a plastic suit over my bikini, if you know what I mean. Oh, that, that's that's dropped a level in sexiness, doesn't it? A thousand percent. <laughs> so in the bits where she's wearing, like, the bikini, but, like, the weird plastic suit... She might be that eager to poop in it. So. <laughs> it's so stupid. So they find some. They find Prince Simone, the prince, the son of the Emperor of the Galaxy, and say, "Oh, we were supposed to find you." So this, and then, and then he reveals randomly, "Oh." Is like because Acton finally leaves a ship and goes and says, "Like, oh, wait a minute, uh, we need to." Um, we still need to find the Empress Planet. It's like, it's like this is the one we're looking for. It's like, oh really? Oh, that's it. <laughs> and then Acton comes in with a lightsaber, beats up a cup, a literal lightsaber, beats up a bunch of cavemen, and then goes into an underground lab for some reason, and then goes and does a whole bloody thing. Yeah, it's. Yeah, and then the rest of the movie is kind of just like the cow said, oh, you found my lair, but don't worry, because I have basically, I'm still beaten. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, the, the cow, like, it's just too many good lines. So many good... Do we have one near the end? Uh, I have I have this. Now let's give the Emperor a great reception. Put in use a mightiest weapon, the Doom Machine. Send it off towards the Emperor's capital world and destroy the Emperor's <laughs> Imperial Planet! Fantastic. And then uh, the ending. What do you think of the ending? The ending feels like it's a rush job. Yeah. I do like the the explosion where the yes. count just takes the full force of the explosion. Yes! Is, I've got a clip for that as well. Do it. So, uh... takes it on the chin he's like no i'm not gonna leave i'm just gonna take this explosion i i you know this is my home i'm just gonna t- <laughs> just gonna absorb this explosion i love it and he what because they're all fleeing yeah he's like no stay with me stay with me and die here nah bollocks <laughs> bollocks to that mate and yeah so and the way this is kind of counteracted is very rushed is because when our heroes are basically stranded by these weird Ray Harryhausen robots in the middle of the lab. The Emperor just comes in out of fucking nowhere. Mm. 
because of the distress, uh, because of a distress signal. Says like, oh, we found you. Oh, we need to leave now because of whatever. And this is the most bullshit thing ever. He says, I have the ability to slow down time. <laughs> like, good to know. This would have been e- this would have been useful a lot fucking sooner. Oh my god! <laughs> Doesn't he say? Like, I think the, he tries to like cover for himself, like by saying, "But it is dangerous." So, like, I can't use it all the time. Yeah, because this is like I yeah, yeah basically like you say like oh if I did this all the time it would be catastrophic. Mm. But at the same time, it's like, dude, if you could slow down time, we could have solved so many problems. <laughs> it's like say we've only got we've only got three minutes. It's like these three minutes will now feel like 15 minutes. It's like, this is such like a way to pad out the movie because they didn't plan it out better. Yeah. I kind of love when he comes in and just says, don't worry, I'm slowing down time. I've got it covered. It's all covered. Covered me. And then by this point, they go there, they attack the count, the count explodes, blah, 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 whole thing, boom, end of the movie. Yeah. And then you get this. Well, it's done. It's happened. The stars are clear. <laughs> the planets shine. My God. <laughs> We've won. All good. Oh, some dark force, no doubt, will show its face once more. He's really earning his 10,000 here. <laughs> the wheel will always turn... It's a sequel bait. But for now, it's calm. Yeah, for now. And for a little time, mm-hmm. at least, <laughs> we can rest. Oh, my God. Brilliant. It's almost like you want to have a tear coming down your face because he's so beautiful. The one <laughs> solitary tear. It's also a little bit sequel bait because he's always saying, for now, there's no evil for now. Star Crash 2, The Return of the Evil. You I know. mean, Christopher Plummer's voice is amazing, and that's why he can be, like, a narrator to a lot of stuff. Because oh. he, he just sounds so great, doesn't he? Like, oh, a thousand percent. He's one of those people where, you know, do you know, like, it's like a top 20 list of people who want to read your, like, read your, like, eulogy. Christopher Plummer would totally be something like that. Yeah, a thousand percent. He is, his voice is like butter, and it's so bizarre <laughs> that he's in this movie. Just so many reasons. It's just it's, it's fantastic by the end of it. Because look, at the end of the day, we've already ranted so much about this movie as it is to the point that you might think we kind of love it and kind of hate it, and I think we do. I think the review of this whole movie is: I love it and I hate it at the same time. Mm. It's not per se frustrating too much i think the only bits i'm frustrated with are how slow it is halfway so like yeah. a bit but when you're in the thing and you read like the backstory like i've thrown some facts at you and everything else you're thinking my god i'm i'm surprised you were able to pull this off let alone be a star wars ripoff let's actually introduce the segment we've already been doing on videos let's put it right here right now let's do this so the trashometer. Yes. Trashometer. Yeah, because now we have to include the trashometer on the podcast because the like this won't be a video, will it? This, it won't be a video. No, so we have to rank all our films. 
Uh, and yeah, so we will be introducing the trashometer into every podcast. Fantastic. So, just for those who are unaware what the trashometer is, on the, in the in our videos that we've put up on the channel, uh, which is uh, which is a trash with a trash shapes YouTube channel, we have done something called trashometer, which is where we kind of grade whether it's a where where the movie we're watching is pure trash as an enjoyment or boring or downright terrible. Yeah. So, so we got torture right at the top of the scale, haven't we? Torture is the very top of the scale. Yeah. Which is, we are we're almost angry by it. It is horrible. We don't ever want to watch it again. It's the worst. The only movie that's topped that is Star is is basically Street Fighter the movie. Yeah, which minute. is about ninety five percent trash, wasn't it? Like that is tor- definitely torture. That was horrendous. Yeah. Then we got just below that. Too trashy. Yeah. Now, too trashy basically means um, that it got to a point there were some frustrating moments, but we did enjoy the movie overall, but it was a bit too frustrating. Then we have trash, which is just a sweet spot. It's the mwah. It is yeah. things like, it's things like, it's things like barbed wire. It's things like the room. It's things like Miami connection where it just hits the, mwah, those sweet spots. Yeah. The, the way I think of the trashometer is like, it's like the reason we call it that it's a bit like a thermometer, isn't it? Because you yeah. get the mind like below zero yeah. and you get like when it's too high, it's too hot. Like, yes. so it's kind of like you want it to be around about the middle to be good. <laughs> it's a strange we're ki- ranking system. We're kind of wanting it to be room temperature. Yeah. Right. Then you go below, that and that's a tiny bit trashy where we don't actually think we actually got we actually didn't think it was trashy enough it mm. could have gone we could have been more trashy more enjoyable and then tame which is actually it's kind of more boring than anything yeah. else or it wasn't as fun really but not like in an angry way just like well it's been nothing i know so this is an interesting one to put on the trashometer so, yes uh, let's 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 talk about it okay so i think i have mine in mind yeah okay now I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. But at the same time, I also really got frustrated with all the slow travelling. I know, that's why it's tricky to rank, because if it didn't have some of the great stuff, it would be tame, wouldn't it? Yeah. But I actually I actually think it's a... Ta- I actually think it's too... is a, is a little too... Is, I, think, I actually think it's a bit too trashy. And yeah. the reason why is because I got frustrated at the, like, the seven to ten minute scenes of them travelling looking at the giant space church and 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 travelling through the planets and just staring blankly as Christopher Plummer's just talking I'm thinking Christ do something actually physically do something like I don't know we could you could literally cut out like half an hour of this movie and you'd still have the plot yeah there's definitely a lot of filler in there and it's like and also I think it's too trashy because it's it's too it's like it's too sexy it's It's a bit too sexy for what it's trying to be yeah like it's trying too hard at some point and I and if it wasn't for the American producer saying oi she needs to cover up more she would have just been literally a and you know like bra and pants the whole way through and even that's the thing it's even that's like even more sexy than someone like Barbarella Queen of the Galaxy she was at least wearing like a top and hot pants mm. you know there was at least something that was covering her cleavage <laughs> this was bare so yeah I actually think I think we agree it's too it's a it's a it's, it's too, too trashy, trashy. It's, it's too, too trashy, trashy. Yeah. it's not torture no, no, because we did enjoy a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, there's just some bits that were just too much. It's just a bit too much. Yeah. But this is then... So it'd be too trashy then. 
Yeah. Perfect. I think that'll be... So basically, it's about 75%. Yeah. 75%. Well done, everybody. Woo! Fantastic. So, so that's how... That, that, was, that was Star Crash. That was the end of the episode. I felt like this was a long episode. We had a lot to talk about, though. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um... The next episode we're going to do, like, we, we won't usually tease it, but the next episode would technically, technically be our second year anniversary. Yeah. So we've got a special one for you. Then. We're not going to give it away. We'll tell you about it next time. But what, we, what I would like you to do is, because we're doing the soft reboot, if you're hearing this for the first time, thank you guys very, very much for listening to this, especially since we're doing this new reformatting stuff, where it's a little bit loosey-goosey, but also a little bit structured, a little bit with voice, like the whole mixing soundboard is beautiful stuff and uh, it, it just it saves us time in editing but also it's kind of funny because and it's kind of uh, gives a different entertaining vibe because you can hear us reacting to these clips as they're happening yeah whereas if it was done in post-production we wouldn't be reacting to what we'd have to put them in afterwards and insert them and then make it fit you know like that but now you're hearing us react directly as it's happening like. and plus you get to hear it nice and well the same kind of bullshit in all clear colour how we used to do it before right so brilliant we have all that sorted out um, but obviously we have the new sort of formats thank you very much for that if you haven't subscribed to a few other things if this is the first time you're hearing us thank you very much for subscribing but if you want to share this episode you just stumble across this episode don't forget to like subscribe to the podcast so you can you can subscribe to us by following us on Spotify iTunes there's Buzzsprout it's all this kind of stuff and we're really sort of building up our library slowly but surely and eventually some of the old episodes will be up on YouTube yeah definitely and if you don't and also YouTube we're also on YouTube now so there is a Trash Tapes YouTube channel which will just be like videos exclusive little videos uh, old episodes uh, reactions of terrible terrible movies like we have it we have a we have things like what is this we have like old episodes of podcast we have all that kind of stuff ready up and ready and we also got the trashometer up there so you guys can follow what we were talking about before uh but yeah and yeah so don't forget to subscribe on that subscribe on all things and thank you very much for joining us um so i won't tell you what's happening next time but it's a corker i can't wait and the anniversary ones have to be special so at least you know that it's going to be a really special movie like a really special cult movie it's going to be huge it's it's going to take over your mind you can't wait so right so until next time keep an eye on your trash there might be some treasure in there see you guys later bye bye for listening to this podcast episode and hope you enjoyed it if you did please share it around with movie lovers you know maybe add a star rating or write a good review all of this helps with the algorithm and provides us with more opportunities to reach the ears to a whole new bunch of bad film fanatics 
Want to find out more about us? Then head over to our socials where we provide sneak peeks and up-to-date news on everything nostalgic and trashy. You can find our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages in the description. So please, follow us. See you next time, cinephiles. <laughs>